Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Greta Gerwig's new film, Ladybird. The film follows Christine Ladybird McPherson and her relationship with her wildly loving, strong-willed mother, who works tirelessly to keep her family afloat after Ladybird's father loses his job. Set in 2002 in Sacramento, California, amidst a rapidly shifting American economic landscape, the film looks at both the humor and pathos in the turbulent bond between mother and daughter. Ms. Gerwig also penned the screenplay for Ladybird, which marks her feature directorial debut. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Gerwig spoke with director Spike Jones about filming Ladybird. During their conversation, Ms. Gerwig discusses her intention to make the film a love story between a mother and a daughter, her interest in playing with dramatic irony within a story, and the advice she got from directors Rebecca Miller, Mike Mills, and Spike Jones. Congratulations. It's beautiful. I, I, this is my Thank second you. time I saw it. I, I saw it uh, last week also, and I love it. And Thank I, you. I texted you when I saw the trailer. I knew I was going to love it. Uh. Just from the trailer, I got emotional and... Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. And thank you and thank you for all being here too. And but especially to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh I love it this time I noticed the line where she says uh the the nun says to her um the way she writes about Sacramento with such detail it has such love in it. And I feel like that is this movie is like all the details are the love and the love for the characters in the story and um it's obviously so meticulously thought out and planned and um and felt and i was wondering where does it where did it start where does it start does it start with some feeling that's like urgent or important uh i well i suppose when i began writing it uh, when i've written and when i've written with noah baumbach um I I start with the same way. It's sort of a hunch and maybe a line, and then you I keep pressing on it and f and unravel it from behind and see see what's back. It's almost like a thread that you start pulling on, and then you realize there's much more to it than you thought there was. And I knew I I wanted to make something set in Sacramento because I am from Sacramento and I love it. And I. I knew I had an idea of wanting to make a, a, a love story between a mother and a daughter, but the line that I actually started with was um, the moment in college when she when when someone says where are you from, she says Sacramento, and then they miss they say Wait, where are we from, and she says San Francisco, and that was actually the first thing I wrote for it. And I almost had the sense of wanting to reverse engineer the movie from that moment so that when she... You knew that was the end? I, yeah, I knew that, that. I had a feeling of like, what if that was... What if 
when she says that line, the audience felt like, but I know all the people and that you're selling out, and I know the place, and I know the details. I know what that is, and you sold it out to look 10% cooler to a person you just met at a party. Dave. Yeah, <laughs> David. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, and I just... and it, So it, it would be both funny, but also a real gut punch. Um, and then, But then I kind of write outwards. I don't write linear. Um, and uh, it takes me a really long time. Right, outwards, meaning like just like here's a scene and here's a scene, then slowly it comes together. Yeah, I don't, I, yes, yes, but I, I write too much, so I'll wind up with like way, way, way too much material, and then I'll sort of winnow it down. But um, I feel like I, I know I'm okay if I have like somewhere between three and four hundred pages of material. <laughs> but I but that's not it's easy for to write a lot. It's hard to distill. I mean that's that's the work of it in a way. It's not the generation of material. It's kind of the And the three or four hundred pages is has a has a through line to it or has no. a narrative? No. It's just it's just it's just you know, three hundred pages of stuff. Right. Of scenes of people, of places that may or may not be connected and then i start start sifting through them and 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 start uh it's almost like a physical act it almost feels like weaving something that's cool and um last time we talked well i guess maybe about the last time but when we talked last year before you shot we um what, what? i just can i tell them sure yeah yeah i call i called spike and i said can you please talk to me on the phone for a couple of hours about directing and i'm going to ask you all my questions and you, then you just tell me any nuggets of information and i wrote everything down that he said and i referred to it a um, bunch of directors so you had hit Mike I did Mills it, yeah, and I did Noah it with, i assume and Noah I, I did it with um Rebecca Miller i did it with um uh Wes Anderson i did it i did it with a, a, a Todd Solins wow um with Stillman gave me a couple of things. <laughs> That's cool. And, um, but yeah, you, you give me lots of good well, pieces. Oh, thank you. But the, what, the, the thing that I remember saying to you was like, that, cause you were, you had this like sort of, I, like, like I, and I remember it before my first movie, like I didn't think, I thought I wouldn't know what I was gonna do and what I was doing. And you don't to a certain degree, but also I said, you've been, you've done this, you've written, you've been on set, you've, you've been like sucking it all up for years. and. I just, I've, I, I assumed like the first day you showed up, you would be like, oh, actually I actually do know what I'm doing. And I was wondering if that was the case. Um, I felt like, well, because I had the uh, benefit of working with um, Sam uh, Levy, Sam, who I've, who's shot a couple of films that I, the uh, Francis on Mistress America, which Noah directed. And um, we both live in New York. And so, I asked him to do the film very long before there was a it, there was a cast or financing or anything. It was a long process, and um, and so and he said yes after he read the script. So we had all this time to start preparing and sort of laying out what we were going to do. And we went to a lot of movies and we looked at a lot of photographs and we uh, shot listed, storyboarded the whole thing pretty meticulously. And it wasn't just so that we knew what we were, were going to get to, you know, cover the scene and make sure we had it. It was like, what is the emotion we're trying to get? It would be like little sentences and clues. And we actually, in pre-production, ended up 
making copies of it for every department head because it was it would have reference images and it would have and it was this document we built over a year and then and it was images and the reason why of those images yeah yeah or 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 um uh, it would be like listen to the song this is what you know so it would be the actual like here's the you know we'll get the the wide and then we're going to move over here and get the you know it would be that but then also this other thing so it became like a second script in a way and then um i had a wonderful very dedicated first AD, um, uh, Jonas Spaccatorelli, Spaccatortelli. Um, um, I'm sorry, I always get inverted, but he was very um, involved with, I mean, he, he is, to me, was like the third leg of the stool in terms of what the movie was and he was not only a genius in, in scheduling and figuring out how we were gonna make the film, you know, as an independent film, and you know, you don't have the luxury to sh to shoot in order all the time. And but he was so sensitive to where each of the actors were going to be emotionally in the day, and it was such a gift that I didn't I didn't know I was going to get, and I didn't know how important it was until he was there, um, and he showed me the schedule, and he walked it through literally with an emotional arc for each character, <laughs> which was incredible. And so the three of us spent so much time together and walked through every single day. They spent all this time walking me through, and then we're going to get this shot at this time and this. So that by the time I was on set the first day, I had shadow boxed it so many times that I suddenly <laughs> I realized, you know, I was able... I was more able to handle what would go wrong inevitably because I had such a solid base underneath me. But that I think that's why you build a base because things will go awry. Yeah, yeah. And um, going back to the list of all the directors you talked to, what were some of the most practical things that people said? Do you remember, like, or or, or the things that actually came in useful? Useful or you said something very practical that was very helpful. You said. If you don't like a shot, just start turning off lights. And you said you usually you probably have too many lights on, and it gives you a second to think about why you don't like the shot. And that was um, very helpful. That was a good practical piece of advice. Um, I uh, Mike Mills. Something I took from him um, was I, I had everyone on set wear name tags. Um, the whole crew every day, and. Um, and we would, you know, it would be a name tag that said Greta, and then there would be a question of the day that our um, th that our, our our wonderful PAs would come up with, and um, they would be like, question, you know, what's your go-to karaoke song, or what would you be if it was not, you know, working in movies? So say Greta, and then your song would be. We didn't start the fire, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a song I realized five minutes too late when I was 15 would not help me get a boyfriend. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, this will impress everybody. <laughs> no, it the doesn't. The fast words part, you got yeah. the whole. That. Yeah, I was like, can I you can do it right now? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I won't do that. Um, but that was a, I mean, that was just a, it was practical, but it was also so helpful because, and in a way, I understood that as an actor too, because especially for actors who are co only coming in for like 
a couple of days, they don't have that much time to get to know everyone on the crew. And it makes everyone a person, not just an anonymous person who's standing there, who's, you know, a boom operator, you know, a gaffer. It, 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 it allowed them to feel very quickly part of the group. Yeah, which and you have something to talk about, too. Yeah, so exactly. And it was a, that was a great practical thing. Um, uh, Rebecca Miller, uh, she she told me, she she said, oh, you, you should let your um, actors meet with the costume designer on their own first, and you can always manage and go in there, but let them make that connection so oh, that great. they feel that they're, they're building the wardrobe of this character together, and it, it gives you, or she said something like, it's important for actors to have a separate life from the director so that you can observe it, that you're not constantly constructing it, that you're figuring out how to shoot it. That's great. That's good. <laughs> I know a lot of smart people. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to see this list. <laughs> that, it's, that I should. One. I should. I should circulate it at yeah, some point. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we, should, we need it. <laughs> the um, what about uh, the movie? Is, it just feels so you know, so intimate, and I assume people ask you a, a lot of autobiographical questions, like which part's real, yeah. and is that uh, how's that feel? <laughs> um, well. I, you know, do you want to kill them? No, 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 <laughs> no. I mean, I I understand. I mean, there are things that are from my life in terms of like being from Sacramento, and I, you know, I went to a Catholic girls' school. Um, I was not like Lady Bird in in my person. I didn't uh, I didn't make anyone call me by a different name. I never dyed my hair bright red. I was a very like rule following kind of a kid. I wanted. I was a people pleaser, and I think writing it was a way to explore something that wasn't accessible to me as a person. Um, and and the characters are, you know, Ma Marion, played by Laurie Metcalf, is, it's not like my mom, and the fights aren't the same, but the heart of that rich, complicated relationship is close to um, close to my heart and close to what what that feels like it 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 rhymes with the truth more than it is the truth if mm -hmm. that makes sense um but you know i i think particularly showing um a city a, a, at that at that moment and kind of it was a way for me to talk about now without setting a film now of this this moment after you know, this national trauma of 9-11 and we were in this war in Afghanistan, we're getting into the war in Iraq. There's this erosion of the middle class occurring. And that was something that I I saw growing up and I still see now of this sort of feeling that the bottom's falling out and everybody's, you know, within the context of their own lives and their own families. It's, you know, this idea of like, I want to give my child a better life than I had seems to be less accessible and less accessible. And um, that's something I kind of wanted to deal with and I, that I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, the, um, the uh, yeah, I love the, uh, it's interesting that when, uh, when I first saw it, the sort of financial anxiety of the family was so, um, you know, so sort of constant and intense. But then when it really, the, for me when it hit was when the boy 
that she was dating came over and said, oh, there actually were tracks. We, I actually had to come over. <laughs> I did cross the tracks. And just the, like that, like somehow like sort of metabolized all that tension and made it so like just the, I think the reaction of um, the mom to that is a, uh, really strong but yeah i mean i think it, it's also i mean the character of ladybird too and is she keeps looking at, up at other people and things that she wants like the kids that she sees with the fancy cars and the big houses and it makes it incapable in some ways of seeing what she does have and that she is the object of envy for someone else and i always think you know her friend julie probably looks at ladybird and says but you have you live in that sweet house and your family's all together. And that, that, but that, because you're always kind of looking up, you can't see what's right there. Um, but it's, I don't have a, I don't have an answer for any of it. I just wanted to sh show it sort of honestly. And I just, I don't know. It's just interesting when you talk to people afterwards and so many parents talking about taking their kids to school and, and teenagers talking about their, their lives. But so many people have said to me, oh, I didn't invite people over because I was worried that I was the kid with the weird house or the weird family. But then you realize everybody feels that way. Mm -hmm. It does it. You could be the kid in the perfect house and you you're like, I don't want people to come over and see what's really going on. Um, but that feeling of somebody else has it better or knows more is pretty universal i think yeah <clears throat> yeah i think that, that that's it's interesting cuz uh i came last week uh with rowan who's a teenager and she was like i think it just so, it, she really related to it and i could relate to it too from my you know she's uh, she's living and i could relate to it thinking about it but i think it's such, so so it's one of the more subtle and sort of masterful films about being a teenager because it it's all in the details and it's all uh, in those in the performances too in between you know all of them and you know all the you know all the parts and her and her friend and I think that like all the subtleties and just the feelings like I I love the moment where she goes back to um, Julie's house and um, Julie's obviously upset about something and we never know what it is and I think that just the feeling of that like. You don't know everything, but you feel everything. And I feel like that's very true to being a teenager. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm always interested in the things. I'm interested in things that the audience knows that the characters don't know. Like, there's all these moments where you're alone with... And, and, and really, honestly, I couldn't... The actors are so great, so they give you so much with just a few lines. They... they they have this whole sense of life that they bring to it, like Stephen McKinley Henderson, who plays the priest, Father Leviach, and um, Lois Smith, who plays Sister Sarah Joan, and and you know, it's just really truly great actors. And um, but I'm I like those moments where you, the audience gets to spend a second with you know Julie touching her name on the cast list. And Ladybird doesn't see that. And Ladybird never knows of Julie's crush with the teacher and, you know, the way Marion is tender with her coworker or Larry in the job interview. These places you can't go with other people. And so that the audience has that, but our, 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 our heroine does not have it. And then the things that even the audience can't know, but they feel. Like, what, what is Julie upset about? I don't know. And then, and you feel that 
it's just, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's, when you live in a community, you feel like you know people so well, and then yet there's so much you can never know. And um, the, uh, the uh, and I also, I also liked how, you know, it's like the similarity, the how you were sort of painting the daughter and mother and sort of the similarities between them and like, and he, you know, the dad says it at one point, but the scenes that really got me, especially seeing it this, this time, putting them back to back, is how the, the, the really touching scene with her ex-boyfriend outside of the coffee shop cut right next to then the mom consoling the, the, the priest, and that they have such empathy. They're such empathetic people, but they can't access that together. No, and I know. I wanted the first shot that they're so sweet and lying in the bed together, and that's such a moment of calm because they're unconscious <laughs> and and then it's sort of like the minute the minute we're awake the 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 you know it starts twisting um no yeah they're they're it's it, the if lady bird has an ability to be compassionate she gets it from her mother and even though they keep missing each other they're just so connected yeah the um well, uh, I, I think we're out of time, but uh, thank you so much. Thank Is, you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. Don't forget, you can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. We have many more great discussions for you coming up soon, including Rob Reiner's LBJ, Stephen Shabosky's Wonder, and Joe Wright's Darkest Hour. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. <laughs>